FM with Green Farm. Being up to 90 isn't real. The protein in our range is get real. Thanks to Jenny Green for entertaining us this afternoon. It's Thursday the 13th of January and this is Game On. Coming up today, Bernard Jackman is live in studio to talk Champions Cup rugby as Munster head to France. Uh, you know, we're two from two in Europe and, um, you know, hopefully we can deliver a, a performance good enough this weekend against Gus to get a win. Um, not a lot of teams have gone there recently and, and won and uh, it'll be a massive challenge on Friday evening. In Gaelic football, they've won Kerry and now they've sights on Munster Glory. We'll catch up with Austin Stack's captain, Dylan Casey. Donny, he's going to rise. Welch is going to rise. Welch breaks the ball out. Will it go into hands of a Staxman? Yes, it does. And now they could catch him on the counter-attack. And it's all over. It's all over. They're jumping the wall here with joy. The Stax supporters, their team have won at Amrods. On the scoreline, Stax 13, Cairns O'Rahilly's 10. In American football, Jeff Shepard sets up for the postseason, and in soccer, Paul Curry will talk EFL Cup. If you want to get in touch, you can text us on 51552 or tweet at GameOn2FM. GameOn on 2FM. Now, welcome along. Bernard Jackman is with me live in studio as we head into a very exciting weekend of Champions Cup rugby. Bernard, how are things? Yeah, all good, thanks. Looking forward to hopefully a full round of European Cup games yeah that's it actually isn't it I think we're uh, for so long we were wondering waiting watching to see what is going to happen but it does seem like it's all full steam ahead really now with the um, the, with Fra- the French and English games definitely going to um, go ahead after a lifting of travel restrictions yeah there was big doubts this week particularly for some of the English clubs that didn't want to risk going to France um, with the risk of a 48 uh, our um, isolation period plus the fact that if any of them got COVID over there they, they might be stuck there for 10 days but it seems as if they're getting an exemption also there's a general lift in the uh, in the restrictions so they're going to go um, which at the moment looks like we're going to have a full round of, of fixtures now having said that um, there's been a lot of debate and criticism amongst French clubs in particular at the decision the EPCR made during the week to award nil all draws for those games that were postponed in, in round two you may remember um, there's a host of games seven games or eight games I think uh, were, were postponed everybody felt they were going to try and fit them in later on when that double header round of 16 was to be played they've decided not to do that and they've given um, two points to both teams a nil all draw and a lot of French teams feel that that's um, uh, not enough or not sufficient. So I'd just be really interested to see their attitude um, to the competition this week. Do you think it's, like I've seen headlines, you know, it's kind of limping along. Are we at that stage now, do you think? Or could it burst back into life this weekend? You look at it in France, they're saying worse than limping, they're saying it's a circus. Um, it's an absolute farce. Uh, Sebastian Chabal went on a on the big rugby show and said French clubs just pull out straight away and, and just forget about it for this year that the uh, cross-border competition just isn't feasible. Um, but they're still in it. None of the clubs have followed through on that. So I think it's definitely, I think it's definitely limping along. The Irish interest in it's big because it's a big part of our, our rugby um, history. Uh, but at the moment, the French and English, English and Esther flying away, you know, at top of the table. They don't seem to have any interest in it. Yeah, I suppose it'll probably become clearer after the weekend when we see, uh, the, as you said, the attitude and the performance. And before we do get into the weekend's uh, matches, a little bit of news for JJ Hanrahan. He has signed a three-year deal with the Dragons next season, so he's leaving Claremont. Yeah, it's not official. Neither 
club have announced it, but certainly that's the the talk on the street. Um, I think it's great for for JJ and that it gives him some security. I mean, a three year contract is is hard to get at the moment, um, given the economic plight of a lot of clubs. And yeah, he's had a, a taste of French French rugby. Obviously, he spent some of his career in Northampton, and uh, yeah, he, he'd be a good signer for the Dragons. They have a very good ten a fellow called Sam Davies who's played for Wales, but certainly don't have any backup to to him. And Dean Ryan's obviously looking to to get a bit of competition, get a little bit more strength and depth. And, and he'll obviously be coming back to the URC where um, we'll get to see a lot more of him. So, um, yeah, great news for JJ. 29. Is 29 old now? I'm not actually sure. Um, no, certainly not old. Um, but I think this is the, like, this is the, Ideal time to sign a long-term contract if you're if you're a player like like JJ, um, and he certainly could re-sign at the end of this. Uh, he keeps himself in good in, in good condition, but uh, yeah, it's 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 definitely not old, but it's a time you want to be making a few bob. <laughs> <laughs> it's not old as long as you're fit. Exactly. If you've yeah, got injuries, then it is uh, it is old. So look, it's a big weekend for Munster as it feels like it's been a big weekend for them every weekend um, for the last few. Well, definitely since Johan van Graan announced that he would be um, moving on and no matter what seems to happen, whether they win or lose or even if they sign new contracts, the conversation keeps coming back around to whether or not he should be in the role and at this stage now, Bernard, with such a massive game tomorrow like is it time now just to, to put that to bed yeah it is but unfortunately uh, circumstances keep um, popping up to keep it in the news so you know obviously the the, the poor performance away to Connacht um, and then you know he, he was a quite quite narky with uh, the pre-match reporter Murray Kinsler before the game people talked about that they won the match in fairness and you would expect he came out to the press on Monday and I think Munster from a PR point of view thought right get him out there put us to bed and let's concentrate on rugby but unfortunately for, for Johan and, and for Munster um, the recording of an of a interview uh, that Victor Matfield the former South African lock did on the, 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 the South African equivalent of against the head where he spoke about Johan he said he spoke to Johan and um, Johan was leaving because lots of different reasons but one of those was that all the best local players uh, go to Leinster and um, that could have been lost in translation, um, but certainly that's thrown up, you know, because there's no young Munster players playing for Leinster. It, the, obviously, the, the good young local players that he's talking about are from are from Leinster. You imagine, and they're staying in Leinster, and they only go to Munster, Ulster, and Connacht a little bit later. Um, and also, it was a little bit around the fact that with Jenkins and RG Snyman being injured, he didn't have the power to play the type of game he wants. So we probably found out more from from that interview with. Uh, Victor Matfield than we did from from uh, from Johan but again it just keeps the whole thing going um, in the press so the only answer for, for Munster and Johan is a, a big win against Cass this weekend and get everybody back talking about uh, the things that are happening between the four white lines Well he has been facing the media in the last couple of days he spoke to our own Michael Corker and that is Johan van Graan about recent performances and also the Cass challenge over the course of the last couple of games, there seems to be um, a sort of lack of composure at times, for want of a better phrase. It's taking you a bit of time, like last week, to get into the match. I mean, what do you what do you put that down to? You no, know, some of it is fair, and I think some of it is perception. Uh, I've said many times to you, Michael, that um, you know this is a a game of rugby. Each game is different. Um, we're pretty happy where we sit in both competitions, and you know, hopefully. We can deliver a performance good enough this weekend against Gus to get a win. Um, not a lot of teams have gone there recently and, and won, and uh, it'll be a massive challenge on Friday evening. I mean, how disciplined do you have to be? 
you know, given the fact that matches between Munster and Cast, you know, even before your time, have been pretty kind of spiky affairs, you know, and, and I mean, it was in Thoman Park a couple of weeks ago as well. Yeah, Michael, that's that's something that we, we pride ourselves in. Um, you know, I thought our discipline through the season was pretty good in terms of Friday evening adapting to to the referee. Um, and Luke Beers are, are one of the best referees around. Um, and, you know, looking looking to, to how he, he's going to approach the breakdown, what he's going to allow and not allow in the mall. Yeah, we'll have to be on top of our game and deliver a very big performance to get a result there on Friday evening. So that was Johan van Gaan speaking to Michael Corcoran. While he did name his team a little bit earlier on, and he made five changes to that for that game with Pierre Ormani, Andrew Conway, Connor Murray, Keith Earls, and Jack O'Donoghue all named to start. And one thing that really stands out there in that interview, Bernard, is the fact that he said they're going to need a performance. And just from listening to a lot of the commentary and the narrative and, and even yourself um, over the last week or so, do you think they have that performance in them, just given that they still haven't even found their attacking game yet? Look, at they always they always have the performance in them because it's, it's a team stacked with good players and they have a history and an identity in Europe which is, you know, amongst the top four or five teams and they generally can get the best out of themselves for that. I think that's the, that's the challenge or disappointment with, with Munster is that you know their their average game, their average level of performance isn't high enough. You know they they always seem to have to have a, a chip on their shoulder or a cause to to get the best out of themselves. And um, it'll be interesting to get up for this weekend. Um, I, actually, ironically, if some of their best performances have been when the younger players have been playing, um, and that's probably another area that you'd have to question. Um, Johan, he, he he seems to be very slow to give the likes of Tom Ahern um, and John Hodnett, etc. Their, their wings and gives them a start Jack Crowley's playing this weekend which is great but that's down to Healy and um, and Carby being injured but he's a talented young player so it's just it, it, it's it's really interesting to watch this develop are Munster going to pick up out of this little slump they're in there's obviously reasons of you know the players being stuck in South Africa, lack of games, etc. So they weren't going to be flying at all uh, uh, at full mass, but um, sailing at full mass. But they, I think we'll, we'll find out a lot on, on Saturday. If this is a, a, a an average tepid performance, I think they're going to be in trouble for the rest of the season. Just on the young players and with your managerial hat on, like, is he right? Do you think to not give them the run because he's judged on results and surely he's seen something on the training ground that we're not seeing or that's making him reluctant to give some of them their chance. If that's the case, that's fair enough. The question uh, that has to be asked is, is it safer now to go with the experienced players because you're on your way out in the summer and you want to last the last six months because the reality is the youngsters revolting won't get you sacked or pushed so uh, the only people who can get you moved on now is the senior players turning on you and the best way to keep them happy is to pick them every week and that's just a hypothetical question but I've seen in soccer I've seen in rugby uh, before which from a Munster point of view would be an absolute disaster if Johan was staying on and he was going to honour his contract well then there would be an onus on him to even if they felt he couldn't win trophies this year to find out how good those young players are so that next year he has a squad that's fully loaded or better equipped whereas the reality is now um, it's a race till the end of the season obviously he'll say they're fighting for trophies and they are in a position to fight for trophies but I still think that what we've seen of those young players in the glimpses we've seen of them would suggest that some of them 
have more upside in them than some of the guys who've been knocking around there for the last 10 years. I suppose as well when you are going in against Cast and, and he alluded to it there as well that they have been spiky affairs in the past keeping those experienced players on the pitch is probably a good way to to counter that. Yeah, no, no, for sure. This isn't an easy task uh, and probably um, I'm probably looking at look rather than just focusing on this game I would say it's been something that has been pretty noticeable over the last two years is how slow they are to give players the um, the, the chance and how when it comes to a big game they always go back uh, to try and test it even though as I said those try and test it haven't brought them success and for Munster success is winning trophies it's not semi-finals I mean their budget their budget is a team who should be winning trophies not every season but certainly every season or so every second season or so and at the moment they haven't won one for whatever 10 or 11 years and this season, do they look like winning one, no, do you think? No, at the moment they don't. Um, but they'll still be there in the knockout stage of the URC. And potentially with the way Europe is dismantling, they'll be there in the knockout stages of uh, of Europe again. And when you are, you're not far away. But I, I just don't see anything on the field of play at the moment that would put fear into the top four or five teams in Europe. I know from your own point of view and from chatting to you a little bit earlier, the big game for you at the weekend or the one that you think will... Uh, throw up uh, quite a lot of interest is Connacht and Leicester yeah Connacht and Leicester two teams um, in, in good form uh, Leicester obviously just lost their first game at the weekend but um, had been unbeaten up till then they played a great match in, in uh, Welford Road in the in the first fixture uh, it was really Leicester's ability to get on top of scrum time particularly their replacement bench which gave them the uh, the foothold to win the game but I think Connacht would have learnt a lot from that and they'll be relishing the opportunity to have a, a big top of the table premiership team coming to the sports ground and yeah I think Connacht will play and uh, yeah I think it's going to be an exciting game Well Andy Friend was out facing the media as well this week and he spoke about the competition for places in the squad Yeah it's really competitive um, you know and it makes selection very difficult because I honestly feel that we've got uh, you know two lots of if not more um, or doubles in every position if not more that could that could definitely do a job for us so when we do select that team, there's a lot of frustration and and, uh, and anguish about the blokes who've missed out. Um, but yeah, we've got a, a pretty clean bill of health at the moment, William. So we're in a good good space uh, as a squad, which is which is good at this stage of the year. So that's probably the only plus coming out of all the the weekends off. You get a chance to recover and and uh, and recoup. But we're in a good a good space on that front, mate. Andy Friend speaking a little bit earlier on and also just on the contract front bit of business done by Connacht as well uh, announced this evening that Quaylen Blade Tom Farrell Oren McNulty Connor Oliver and Dylan Tierney Martin have extended their contracts so good to get some business done too Yeah absolutely and you know they've lost um Ulton Delan, which is going to be a hard man to replace, but uh, and Sammy Ireland in the centre um, Ulton's going to La Rochelle and Sammy Ireland's going to breathe but um Jack Carty and, and those five guys uh, that you've just announced are amongst a host of other players who are willing to commit their, their future to Connacht and, and it's no surprise I mean there's exciting plans for development off the field with a new stadium but on the field um, they're you know they're batting above their average in terms of their spend they're playing a great brand of rugby um, you'd like to believe you can use Connacht as a stepping board to play for Ireland, which wasn't always the case. And they have a chance of, you know, uh, they're playing the European Cup as well. So there's no reason necessarily for players to leave. And I think that's 
that's a, that's that's a, that's a real positive for Connacht because it hasn't always been the case. Leinster are going to be uh, quite an interesting prospect this weekend because we've seen in football in particular when teams have a bit of a layoff it tends to take a little bit of a while for them to get back up to speed again so they are hopefully anyway all going to plan going to face uh, Montpellier Andrew Porter spoke about that enforced break let's hear from him uh, also feel I think it's 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 been quite quite refreshing kind of not having having those games like obviously it's, it's strange obviously being mid-season so it's kind of uncharted territory a small because it's, it's it very rarely happens like where you get that kind of uh, where you get no games for such a long period of time in, in the middle of a season so um, it's it's almost like a small mental break as well like when you don't have you don't have that big build up for the games like mentally so like myself, I'd be nervous from from the Wednesday till the Saturday, probably. Like, so it's 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 that kind of it's a bit of a let off in terms of like that mental kind of side of things. But on the other side of things, it's 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 been great for our training and like it's been great for the cohesion of the team, really. So it's like if anything, we've been working harder than we usually would because because we don't have those games at the end of the week. So we can push ourselves more in training during during the middle of the week. So um, I think that'll really stand to us um, leading into these games. So Andrew Porter there, happy enough with the break, but will Leo Cullen be happy enough with such a long layoff? No, oh, look, I don't think so. I think as a coach, you like the rhythm of, of playing on a Saturday and, and getting you know instant feedback to where you stand. Oh, Leinster, they usually have four or five points at the end of every week that they hadn't got going into it. Um, so will it be a little bit frustrating for, for Leo and Stewart? But I, when you listen to Andrew there, you have to take into account as well how so many Leinster players would have been involved with Ireland over November, how intense that period would have been uh, preparing for um, the All Blacks and, uh, in particular. And... You know that chance to freshen up a little bit mentally, I think, will stand Leinster in good stead. Um, and what Andrew said as well around you know being able to train harder, they are so lucky. Even with all the COVID that they had when they were when they didn't when they reopened up the camp, they were still able to have thirty six fellas on the pitch. You know, um, you know, fifteen v fifteen of a very high quality, and that's that's why they're the dominant team in the URC. They're number twenty five to fifty in terms of depth is better than everyone else so I think they will have been able to get in some quality work um, there's bound to be a little bit of ring rustiness this week but I think it'll stand to them over over the next three or four months Yeah and look you're talking about breaks and, and mentally been able to, to click back into it after taking that little bit of time off and the benefits of that but even just seeing Johnny Sexton in the pictures that have come out over the last few days when people do, when you think of people who benefit from a break, Johnny's always someone who's top of the list. Yeah, absolutely, and and there's so many of them. I mean, even Doris, Caelan uh, Doris, James Ryan, etc. They get so many minutes in blue and green, um, and they're big games. They're like they're huge games. Whereas you know, Andrew said your focus is is on it from earlier on in the week. So mentally, that can be can be draining. In fairness to Leinster, they were ready to play Ulster on Stephen's day. So. Um, you know, it's not like they just got the odd clear and got their group back last weekend. They've had two, two, uh, two and a half weeks, three weeks where they've had a squad ready to go. So I think they'll be in um, in, in good shape. And the last game then for the provinces is Ulster Northampton, and they'll have to pick themselves up again after that Munster defeat and head into this game. Yeah, I think it's ideal from from a mental uh, point of view because um, Ulster struggled against Northampton in the home game, um, so they'll want to rectify that. They had a very disappointing loss to Munster, obviously having a man advantage for such a long period. 
they, they'll be kicking themselves and you know they'll need the points as well so I think they'll go there without any overconfidence uh, put pressure on themselves to perform and Northampton are a very up and down team they announced this week that their, their head coach is, uh, Chris Boyd is moving back to New Zealand obviously Ulster are losing Jared Payne to Claremont so lots of changes in the coaching merry-go-round but I, I think Ulster um, would be good enough to get a win OK before we finish up give us your four winners then uh, so Ulster Leinster <laughs> cast Leicester right Brian Jackman thank you so much we're going to take a very quick break and then we're back with football game on on 2FM with Green Farm being up to 90 isn't real the protein in our range is get real game on on 2FM Welcome back to Game On with me, Marie Crow. It's now time to turn our attention to football. I'm delighted to say we are joined on the line by former professional footballer Paul Corey and also Orgy Sports Shane Dawson. And we have a few things to get through um, right now. I don't know if anybody was listening to me during the week, but if they did, they were. I did say that I'm taking any excuse that I can to talk about Wes Hulahan and I do have another one. Uh, Shane Dawson, there was a little bit of news today that potentially Wes Hulahan could be coming back to the League of Ireland. Are we getting a bit too excited about it, do you think? Uh, I think at the moment, Marie, we're getting a bit too excited. <laughs> I think this was more newspaper headlines um, and filling columns and uh, a few tabloid headlines. Um yeah, so the situation is, I've done a bit of digging, um, I got onto my uh, Shelburne contacts and my uh, Wes Hulahan contacts, and I think this the situation at the moment is that Wes is tied to Cambridge uh, until at least the end of the season. He's settled over there, he's on a staggered training programme, his family are over there. Shells would like to get him back, and I'm sure many Shells fans would like to see him back, and the League of Ireland as a whole it would be great kind of exposure, um, and would certainly be a good news story. Um, but at the moment, I can't see it happening unless Damien Duff wants to dig into his own <laughs> pocket or or where the money might come from to, to try and sway him but no he's he's firmly settled over in the Norwich area at the moment so I don't think he'll be coming back if he does come back in the summer I mean I know he's 39 now I think he's 40 in May so it might be a bit sorry eyed um, to see him back but yeah no listen it would be nice but at the moment uh, I, I can't see it happening certainly in the, the League of Ireland off season Well he would definitely do a lot for the season tickets anyway because if anyone is box office Wes is box office Paul Curry just given the fact right he's he He's 39. We're seeing what he's able to do for Cambridge in the UK. Obviously, we're only, you know, we're seeing clips and you're always going to see the really good stuff on clips. But for somebody of his age, but like 39, but when you look at what he's capable of, he doesn't really seem like he's 39. How do you think he would do in the League of Ireland? Yeah, Maria, listen, I, I think he did really well. Um, I actually just saw a couple of highlights there from the other night when they played Portsmouth in the in the Football League trophy. They won 2-1 and Wes had like an unbelievable outside of the foot uh, ball to the back post that was knotted in and, and it edged him over the line in that, in that fixture. And I think not only that game but his statistics over the last 12-18 months have shown that he's well capable of doing it both at League 2 and League 1 level which, you know, you can't get away from is is still a high level in English football I think with Damien Duff and the way he wants to set up his shell side it's probably somebody who he's looking to get in you know that really technical player that you can link play through because that's the way Duffer's going to have a Shelburne inside playing and he's probably looking for somebody with that a big bit of experience maybe around a couple of younger bodies to get in there and help orchestrate things if they were to pull it off 
uh, I think it'll be a fantastic signing. I think that is somebody who you could build that team around. I still think, based on the statistics over the last 12, 18 months, he's still got goals, he's still got assists in his in his, uh, in his his repertoire. And, uh, you know, he's probably playing at a higher level now than League of Ireland, in my, in my point of view. So there's no reason why, if he was to, to come back, that he wouldn't be able to continue that form. Yeah, and as Shay mentioned, it's a staggered training programme that he's on. So they obviously know how to get the best out of him and know the best way to manage him. And I'm sure for anyone that is has a career that is lasting that long, they know themselves as well. And Shane, just then in, in terms of, of what Damien Duff c- could bring, I know we're just starting to talk about signings. We heard from Owen Doyle yesterday and his reasoning for coming back, saying he still wanted to come back when he could add a little bit of value and finish off his career here, um, you know, last Last season we saw Richie Towell as well and like these are people with families and they want to come back and they want to you know finish those last couple of years and get their families back into into the communities where they grew up where they grew up and, and would have went to school and all the rest but um, in terms of targets have you heard anything about who maybe Damien Duff might go for or what kind of player he's looking for? Yeah well I think if you look at the signings that, that Damien's made for Shelburne at the moment already they're really young players and I think that's what he's used to coaching uh, from Shamrock Rovers and in Shells and I know he was with Celtic and Republic of Ireland but in terms of his League of Ireland kind of experience would be based around your players in your early 20s and if you look at the players that Shelburne have brought in they probably you know they're some of the best young players that the league has to offer um, signing Arno Driscoll yesterday as well from Mansfield who was player of the year with Longford um, last season um, and so on so I think he does need a bit of experience I know Luke Burns now in his late 20s you know a centre half and he's be, he'd be, be captain if you do bring in a, a Wes or, or someone with a bit, bit more of experience I think you need that balance as well because I don't think you can be over reliant on, on these young guys as well and Yes, aspirationally, you'd like that Damien Duff and, and Shelburne will play some nice, um, aesthetically pleasing <laughs> football. But at the, you know, at the end of the day, they are newly promoted side, and they're going to have to really dig in. And it's not always going to be very pretty. Um, but yeah, in terms of other other targets, I know they're they're kind of in contact with a few people overseas as well because it's, it's interesting enough. Even if you look at the out of contract players preseason in the PFAI camp, it was a case of that there wasn't that many um, players in in those training camps, and everyone picked up a club, and that's why we're kind of seeing it in the League of Ireland as a whole. I suppose that there's a lot of players coming in from overseas, Dundalk bringing in a couple of uh, Welsh guys. So it is, you know, you're going to have to think outside the box on on where to go. And I know shells have kind of good ta- contacts with Alan, Alan Caffrey in there as well and Damien Duff obviously has contacts over in Chelsea and Fulham and, and Celtic and so on so yeah a lot of young players coming into shells at the moment uh, and it will be interesting to see if there's uh, some experience I suppose to, to find that balance And Paul from a player's point of view we were just listening to Owen Doyle yesterday and he'd played with Tim Clancy in Scotland and when Tim rang him he obviously had that relationship with him and they were able to to go through how he was going to fit into the team and, and what kind of football that, that he um, envisions the team playing and I'd imagine if you know, you're sitting there and you get a phone call from Damien Duff. It'd be easy enough to convince you to 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 come over and, and to join what what he wants a team with um, the vision that he'd have for what he wants to do. A hundred percent, Marie. And I I worked with with Damien for for a period of time at Shamrock Rovers, and I guess the the one thing about about his experience and he brings that into his coaching, and you'll see that at Shelburne, I'm sure, is that he will improve players. You know, his his coaching standards and his his, his techniques are up there with some of the best that I would have worked with and he demands honesty from players and he demands hard work and I think when you when you put that all together that is an attractive proposition for many players uh, that they're stepping into a, a good environment an environment where you, you feel like
like you're going to be able to improve as a player. I have no doubt that um, you know they'll be a hardworking team, but I've also complete confidence that he'll get them playing a style of football that yes will be attractive, but also one where uh, you know everybody works for one another. But of course, I mean when when Damien Duff picks up the phone, it's it's not a it's not a, a person or or a man that you're going to be speaking to every day. And I think for many young players coming through in the league, it's a great opportunity for them to to progress their career and be in the hands of somebody who's been there and done it. So yes, I think it's an attractive proposition. I agree with Shane. There's, they're probably a couple of bodies short, but listen, this is this is a project for for Damien Duff, and we can't expect that he's going to be able to work magic in in the first twelve months. It's it's probably a longer term thing, and and I'm no doubt, um, given the the short experience I had with him, that he's going to be successful. Every time I hear of um, hear stories about managers ringing players, I'm going to keep going back to Pico Lopez. We had him on on Monday and he got that LinkedIn uh, message from the Cape Verde manager and, and he didn't believe it. He thought it was a prank. Did that ever happen to you, Paul, that you know you got, you got a prank call up to a team or anything like that? <laughs> I think I've only Irish blood in the family. Um, so from an international point of view, no. But what I might do off the back of this call, Marie, is, is just go back through the LinkedIn messages and see if there's <laughs> anything outside of recruiters or uh, anybody in the football department. But no, it's it's certainly <laughs> it's certainly a niche with the way Pico got called up. But um, yeah, maybe I might just look back through some of the social media channels and see if there's anything lingering in there from, the, from 2009, 2015. There's always great stories from uh, GA players and, and minor and senior managers of uh, young lads getting phone calls from older lads, you know, just taking the mick and pretending that they're manager. And I've often heard of uh, lads who've actually turned up to a training session. They've been told they've been called into a senior team and actually went along <laughs> and a couple of them even get got kept on. So look, after your five-a-side uh, performances of late, Paul Carr, you never know. They might think you're back to full fitness and you could end up getting, um, getting a, a call from Damien Duff. Who knows? Um, Shane, we do have Liverpool and Arsenal tonight in the EFL Cup and, you know, it's one of those games where there isn't a huge amount at stake but at the same time when Liverpool play Arsenal nobody wants to lose that but just from an Irish point of view uh, Cuevin Kelleher is now such a, an important person um, for football here it's always when these games come around it's always uh, I suppose like a point of interest is he going to play or is he not? Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, uh, the answer to that is he will not. So <laughs> Alisson's been, been given the nod. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold is back as well. So the two players that were missing with, with, with COVID-19 straight back into the starting eleven. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate, I suppose. And it's it's disappointing from that Irish point of view that you want to see Cuevin in particular get a bit of game time. And I know Jürgen has, has mentioned that it's, this is Cuevin's cup and, and this is his big opportunity. But unfortunately, uh, due to COVID, you know, they need to get a bit of game time into Alisson uh, now that he's back training. So I suppose that just the way that the break went um, and the way the fixtures are that, that we won't see Cuevin tonight but it is an extremely strong Liverpool side um, that, that will will start tonight and obviously both sides will want the cup as well and um, we've seen Chelsea yesterday and you know kind of breezing past uh, Spurs 3-0 on aggregate so yeah like there's a lot to play but uh, unfortunately no Cuevin and, and young Conor Bradley as well from, from the, the north of Ireland um, won't be featuring in the, in the squad either another kind of player that's on the cusp there and he's been um, highly praised by Jurgen Klopp as well and he's really highly rated as well so um, another uh, another man to keep an eye out hopefully in the, the years to come yeah, I suppose lucky enough for Liverpool, they do have plenty of players that they can rotate um, no matter what happens. But just from an Arsenal point of view then, Paul, we're still waiting to see what time, what kind of a team um, Arteta puts out. But just given the fact that, you know, their form has been OK, you'd imagine that, you know, they want to try and, and keep that momentum going. 
Yeah, I think for for the likes of Arsenal, it's, it's you know vitally important that they are seen to continue to progress in in competitions, and if they can add silverware, well and good. And they've done that in recent years with the FA Cup, and this of course presents another opportunity. But I think you're dead right, Marie. I think their form of late has been has been really impressive, and people will measure Arsenal particularly on that game against Manchester City when they went very very close, and they put a good test to Man City as anybody else has this season, and they seem to be over that early bump or bump in form in, in the early fixtures where they looked a very easy target they seem to be much more solid and they'll be hoping to bring that in tonight but I don't know why and I could regret it Marie but I, I, I fancy Arsenal over these two legs I really do I think with, with Mane and Salah out of the team you, you're losing I think it's the guts of 24 league goals this season which is close to nearly half of Liverpool's goals um, it, it takes a, a different dynamic I'm not sure they're going to be as powerful or as quick on the counter attack and I just fancy Arsenal um, I think it's a really good opportunity they're bang in form um, and I think teams will maybe fancy having a pop off Liverpool over these next couple of weeks while the African Cup of Nations going on so maybe they don't carry the same threat but I could be speaking to you in the guts of seven days time and it could be a thumping six or seven nil in aggregate to Liverpool because their form of late against Arsenal is really strong Yeah and look the flip side of that Shane is that okay Mane and Saleh aren't there but because they have been so consistent in their appearances, it does provide an opportunity for the likes of Firmino to try and get that, that spot back again. Absolutely, yeah, and he'll be definitely hungry to, to, to show that as well, um, I suppose, looking at it. And listen, Ray, I do have to say there, I don't think I'm going to make a prediction and then try roll back roll back in it like Paul there. That's a very political That's answer, I would say, Paul, Paul Curry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, no, seriously, yeah, no, absolutely. This is a big opportunity with, with, with Salah, um, Naby Keita as well, well, over at the African Nations Cup as well. So he want to, to prove himself as well. So I suppose when you look at the League Cup, and as a few people might show a bit disrespect to the, to the competition as, as a whole, but now when you get to the semi final stages you have to take it seriously and these players will be taken seriously and for me in particular as well because this is his, his time to shine um, whether he takes it or not well remains to be seen Okay well thank you for that Shane and Paul we are going to take another very quick break and then we're back with GAA and Shane I might actually keep you because if an Arsenal team comes in um, I might get you to let us know what it is Green Farm. Your rise and grind isn't real. Our protein is get real. Game on on 2FM. Welcome back now. I'm delighted to be joined by Austin Stacks footballer Dylan Casey ahead of the RIB Munster GAA Football Senior Club Championship Final which will see his Kerry side take on St Finbar's of Cork and that game will be live on TG Car. Dylan, how are you? Not too bad, Marie. How are you? Good. Thank you very much for joining me. It must be a great time for you just playing football with your club and a Munster Final coming up and then um, you know the the thoughts as well of getting your your shot with Kerry. Just for uh, like a twenty one year old point of view, that must be exactly the sort of environments and the opportunities that you're relishing. Yeah, I suppose it's nice opportunities to be relishing, um, and obviously the prospect down the road of um, hopefully putting on a green and gold Kerry jersey. But um, for now, I suppose it's club scene and uh, looking forward towards the monster campaign and the final on Sunday. 
and even just from the Austin Stacks point of view like you know you're on a team and you, you get so much attention and I know the last time that um, that you were in this situation you were just a, a young guy and you were at the game with your friends and, and being part of the parade and to you know fast forward a few years and be captaining the side um, in a Munster final it, it must be amazing yeah, I suppose as a 14-year-old back in uh, 2014, um, never in a million years would I have thought that I'd be the, the next Stacks stack captain, I suppose, uh, representing Kerry above in a Munster final. Um, I remember being above in Port Leash when they were playing Schlockneil in the All-Ireland semi-final in 14. And um, like I said, never in a million years would I expect to line out and leading the team um, on Sunday. But it's definitely something I'm looking forward to and relishing. So Dylan, like from being that fourteen-year-old and, and and wanting to to eventually be the person that is doing that, like growing up having those dreams of of captaining your club and playing for your county, how did you do it? Like, what what were those um, six years like for you? I suppose just knocking down Wayne, the manager that um, is in charge of us now at the moment with uh, the seniors, has been fantastic with me. I've had him for the last six or seven years, and he's he's brought me right through the ranks. Um, I would have joined Wayne and the management when he was over the club minors when I was uh, 16 and we kind of have been involved with each other ever since um, kind of understand each other in the same foundation as to the way he sets out his game plan and bases on working hard and that's kind of the foundation of every side he's put out um, and it's just been it's just been easy to work with Wayne I suppose and he's helped me along the way and it's thankfully brought us towards Sunday and just from no mind as well I know he's um, he's an SNC as uh, as well as being the football coach so the two probably go hand in hand I'd say yeah absolutely we've Damien Rail as well behind the scenes working with us with the club seniors at the moment and um, obviously with Wayne having the SNC background um, it's brilliant I suppose that they can both work work um, together and uh, thankfully it's probably paid off up until now from your own point of view then, just when you think about preferred positions and when you were young and you were thinking about when you were one day hopefully go on and um, represent Kerry, what, where for you would be the ideal place to play? I suppose at the start of the year I was probably coming out of lockdown, I was probably eager to get going and I was mad to get on the ball and try and drive up the field as a halfback but uh, I've always been, I suppose growing up and underage, I've always been an inside defender and uh, I suppose over the last couple of months I've probably relished the opportunity of marking quality forwards and see where I, I my own defending is at and uh, mark myself against the best so I suppose uh, an inside defender is um, probably my preferred position right now anyway. A couple of those are David Clifford and Sean O'Shea which are two of the biggest names in the game so when you're talking about marking quality players um, it doesn't really get bigger than that yeah, obviously David and Sean are two big names in the GA at the moment and are phenomenal players. But I suppose every time we go out onto the field, it doesn't really matter who we're up against. Um, the rest of the five defenders that I have alongside me and the goalkeeper, we kind of have a, a nice understanding between us that it will take one hell of a battle to uh, win win the game and I suppose win our individual battles as six defenders. So I wouldn't say that. It's probably down to a personal level at all. Um, taking up those roles, we're all we're all kind of on the same boat and trying to help each other out. Probably having uh, Kieran Donaghy around as well would help with any man marking that you needed to do or any tight defending that you needed to work on, and even just 
game development I'd say just considering how many strings he has to his bow and how many challenges he can pose when you're anywhere near him Yeah Kieran's been brilliant obviously with the 20 plus years he's played uh, senior for the club he's obviously been through it all and uh, gained a lot of experience and knowledge and thankfully he shared it I suppose am- amongst us as a, a young group um, me coming into the seniors four years ago I suppose looking at Kieran as my idol and hero growing up along with the rest of them that would have won a championship in 2014 um, he's kind of shared those not, uh, those um, experiences and bits of knowledge to me I suppose personally and to the rest of the group and it's probably brought us on leaps and bones You're still so young Dylan although you don't sound it and I was at your uh, county final and I heard your speech afterwards and you spoke with such a, a maturity but being a young captain like how have you found that and, and you know what are the challenges that come with that? To be fair to the management, I suppose at the very start of the year, they kind of set out that when I did find out that I'd be um, captain, that not much would really change, that not much more would be expected of me. It would kind of be the exact same format as what would have gone on in the last two or three years. Um, like with leaders as Barry Shannon, Kieran Donny, names that we've mentioned already inside in the dressing room, it's, it's not much changes really. There's not much expectation on my own shoulders from inside the, the four walls of the dressing room. Everyone kind of speaks when, when needed, whether it be myself or an older member of the group or it could even be a 19, 18, 19 year old just in the door. It's kind of an open policy, I suppose, inside in our dressing room and every every opinion's voiced and, and heard. So it's not too bad um, to be leading out a stacked senior team at 21. The expectations inside in the dressing room aren't put on my shoulders and my shoulders alone. It's, it's shared amongst the group, so it's okay. And for now then, for you, you're balancing obviously your Austin Sachs commitments and what about college then? Uh, yeah I'm in my fourth year of commerce above in UCC um, starting back again Monday so uh, yeah it was probably tough before Christmas trying to balance the exams and uh, get ready for a Munster semi-final against Newcastle West I would have had an exam the following morning after the game at 9 o'clock so it was, it was fairly uh, flat to the mat for the two weeks there coming up to Christmas but that's part and parcel of the game, I suppose. And what about then, Kerry? When does that come into play? Um, I suppose after the the club campaign is finishing is finished up. Hopefully, it's not for another few weeks or months. But um, I'll join back up with the Kerry setup. Um, I would have been in there for a week or two throughout Christmas just to um, get to know a few lads, and um, then I was back to the club straight away. So. Um, for now it's just focusing on the club and then we can look into um, county once it comes to it I suppose Kerry were in action last night and there was a little bit of controversy afterwards because a couple of players had played for their college and then went on and and played the game last night just given you're someone who is um, a young person and and you're trying to to juggle all your commitments do you think that from a player welfare point of view that young players should be put in a position that they go and play a couple of matches or someone one match and someone the other in in the same day I think with the way lockdown and with the way the, the pandemic has gone the last two years, I think every footballer, young footballer around the country now is just eager to go. So I don't think playing games is going to affect anyone um, or put put off anyone from playing football at the moment. I think fellas are just eager to get going and will probably play at any, at any um, level that they can and um, are just eager to get going, I suppose, and play. 
as many minutes as they can. I can understand that as well. I can understand both sides, but I'd see the player welfare. But I mean, if you're a young person and you get the opportunity to to pull on the the Kerry jersey or playing in Sigerson or, or whatever it is, or, or Fitzgibbon or whatever competition comes your way, I can see why they'd they'd want to do it as well. So just in terms of the the game at the weekend, then um, playing St Finbars of Cork, what kind of a, a challenge are you expecting from them? Another tough test. Um, any championship game is always going to be tough uh, we got nothing easy below here in Kerry and didn't get anything easy in the Munster semi-final so we expect the exact same again on Sunday um, I would have played in the Cork Championship this year with UCC so I, I've some bit of uh, I was fortunate enough to get some bit of a taste of the Cork Championship and I know the intensity and battle that Sam Finbars have gone through um, they've been knocking on the door for the last few years obviously they would have won Cork in 2018 and went on to represent their county and play Dr. Crokes um, in the Munster campaign so they've been there thereabouts um, constantly so they'll they'll fancy their chances and we'll know that we'll be up against it. Okay, well Dylan, thank you so much for joining us and we wish you the very best of luck at the weekend and also with whatever comes up over the next few months. We're going to take a very quick break and then we're back at Talking American Sports. Green Farm. Wise and Grinds and the Hustle Mindset aren't real. The protein in our chicken is. Get real. Game on on 2FM. Now, welcome back. We do have EFL Cup action this evening with Liverpool and Arsenal kicking off at quarter eight. We had some Liverpool team news a little bit earlier on and the main part of it is that Cuevin Kelleher is not starting. It is Alisson who will be in goals. Shane Dawson is with me in studio. What about Arsenal though, Shane? Yeah, similar enough to Liverpool. Uh, strong starting 11 for Liverpool. Strong starting 11 for Arsenal. Mikel Arteta makes five changes from their defeat to Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup. Obviously, Arsenal planning without a host of players over at the African Nations Cup as well. Um, um, so Kieran Cheney, Saka, Martinelli uh, plays up front for Arsenal as well. But the bad news for Arsenal fans listening in is that Martin Udegaard has tested positive for COVID and Said Kalasinic is out with a tight hamstring. So it remains to be seen how long Kalasinic will be out for. Um, and Udegaard out with, with COVID is, is far from ideal for Arsenal and indeed Mikel Arteta. Absolutely. A big game really when you think about it because uh, they will want to keep that uh, momentum and good form going because we've spoken so often about how important it is for Arsenal to find that consistency and it has been difficult with them with so many young players and that is what happens when you do have a lot of young players. Now we are going to turn our attention to American sports. Jeff Shepard is with us and I'd imagine Jeff Shepard is very excited with three days of NFL playoff action to come. Well, what's not to be excited about, Marie? Yeah, I mean, for the first time, we've got, you know, a Monday night playoff game. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, but hey, it's another night with, with NFL football playoff action. So it's going to be fantastic. So when you have, like, you know that's coming up. Like, often we'd only get, like, we'd have one really big weekend, one day in a weekend, we'd have a super Sunday. But three days of it, like, you must just have to park everything else. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of like get up and get the, the chores done around the house early, you know, like in olden times, you know, with farms and whatnot. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not a farmer, but, uh, you know, you got to get up early, get everything done. And that way, I mean, look, you know, you got, you know, football kicking off around 2.30 on Saturday afternoon, two games, and then three games on Sunday, and then the, the final game on Monday. So uh, it's going to be great. I mean, you know, I, I, I 
everybody, this first weekend of NFL action, I mean, it's always really exciting. You've got a bunch of teams, you know, that, you know, don't typically make the playoffs that are in it for the first time. Like, you know, the first game up, you got the Bengals, you know, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and my, my guys from LSU. And they've had a phenomenal, you know, season this year. And they're going to take the Raiders on in that first game. And, you know, if anybody stayed up really, really late into Monday morning in Ireland to watch that Chargers-Raiders game, they saw an actual bananas football game that ended, you know, just in a crazy manner that knocked the Chargers out of the playoffs. And so um, it's just it's going to be fantastic. And then, look, Saturday night, Patriots-Bills, AFC East rivals, they're playing in Buffalo. Marie, it's going to be <laughs> four degrees one, two, three, four. You need one hand to count them, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's going to be incredibly cold. So well, what's the weather going to do? I mean, it's just all this stuff that, you know, all these these small impacts that can just have such a, you know, major, major uh, impact on the game. It's going to be phenomenal. So for people here who might just have a passing interest then, if you were mm-hmm. to pick one game like that you just can't miss out of them all, which is the one that we have to tune into? I mean, honestly, I really think it would be that Saturday night game with the Patriots and the Bills. I mean, they're division rivals. They know each other really well. They played, they've played like basically three times. This will be the third time that they've played in the last month and a half or so. Um, and they've split. Um, they each won on the other team's home uh, field. Uh, on the Monday night game, it was the, the Patriots in Buffalo. Very similar conditions to what we're going to see Saturday night. And the wind was blowing. And I think Mac Jones, the, the Patriots quarterback, I think he only threw three passes the entire game. I mean, they they ran the ball and they wound up winning it, and it, it was just really a, a really really good football game. I don't necessarily think either one of those teams is going to win the Super Bowl this year, but I do think this weekend that's probably the best game. And then, I mean, if you know, obviously the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know they have a bit of a following in Ireland because of the Rooney family. They got into the playoffs this weekend. They're going to take on the Chiefs Sunday night. No one's really given them an opportunity to win. I mean, the Chiefs are favored by 12 and a half points. It's going to be cold, but it's going to be likely Ben Roethlisberger's last game of his Hall of Fame career. Uh, and so I think that's going to be another one that will be interesting to watch to see if the Chiefs can make it back, you know, to start making it back to the Super Bowl for the third year in a row. Okay, so there is so much to look forward to. And before we finish up, Chef, as well, just um, from a college football point of view, Georgia beating Alabama last Monday night. Yeah, I mean, it was a tight game. Look, you know, you could see why these teams were in the national championship. They are just so much better than everybody else out there. They're so fast and so physical. And I, I would not be surprised if there's not if there weren't like 40 guys that played in this game on Monday night that are one day playing in the NFL. That is how talented those two teams were. And, you know, it was a tight game until the middle of the fourth quarter. Georgia scored an offensive touchdown and then got a pick six and ran it back. And they claimed their first national title since 1980. All right. Well, uh, Shep, as always, have a great weekend. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'm looking forward now to catching up with you next week. Uh, we'll have so much to pick through and enjoy just putting the feet up and watching all of those games. Quite a lot of them. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Talk to you soon, Shep. Well, that is all that we have time for uh, today. We'll be back tomorrow looking ahead to all of the weekend's football. We'll also be catching up on the team news from the Champions Cup as well. Um, thanks to everybody who was on today, Sean, Shane Dawson and Paul Corey, uh, Ronan Lawler for producing and Bernard Jackman as well. Tara Kumar is up next. Live across the nation, this is 14.